Today on the Energy Podcast, how is AI answering the call of sustainability? It's a question expertly examined at Web Summit, one of the world's biggest technology events held in Lisbon earlier this month. What innovations and systems look set to change the energy landscape? And is AI ultimately the key to lowering emissions? On the panel at Web Summit, Hege Skarseth from Konsberg, Jinta Nakai from Databricks, and Dan Jeevens from Shell. The host is Xinhua News Agency's Martina Fuchs. I would like to, first of all, throw this question to all of our three panelists, Dan, Hege and Junta, how AI can really become a game changer in sustainability. This is a very timely topic with the COP26 going on in Glasgow right now. I'm sure it was a dilemma for many of us to either go to Glasgow or to come to the Web Summit. I'm glad that uh, we can cover both, at least virtually. Let me ask you then, first of all, how is AI facilitating the advancement of sustainability. Well, it's great to be here, first of all, and thank you so much for the, the warm welcome at Web Summit. I think the key thing for me is that AI is one of the core technologies, I believe, that's going to make a huge impact on sustainability and in particular on CO2. I think the, the first thing is that we have to recognize that there's no silver bullets. It's not an easy problem to solve, to try to transform what is a very complicated energy system. But I think I see two core applications, and no doubt we'll unpack this a little bit more in the rest of the conversation. The first is that the energy system of today requires optimization to minimize the amount of CO2 that we uh, emit. And so there's a huge opportunity to leverage AI in that space in order to try to reduce the impact of what we're already emitting because we can't move the energy system as fast as we would like and therefore AI has a role to play there. The second part though, which is equally important, is as we design the future energy system and then learn to operate that future energy system, what is certainly true is that it's going to be more diverse, more distributed, more complex, because there's going to be elements that are uh, both uh, highly localized generation, as well as a more diverse uh, set of fuels that are used, things like hydrogen. And so in that space, as we think about the design and then the optimization of that energy system, AI has a huge role to play there. And I think you know, a recent estimate was that it could be as much as 8% of, of global CO2. Fantastic, thanks, Dan. Would you agree with that, Hege? How do you think that AI can really promote and develop, you know, the fight against climate change and help sustainability? Yeah, I definitely agree with Dan, but uh, I would also say it's an early phase uh, still. Uh, you see some analyst companies coming out with 8% uh, reduction in CO2, which is somewhat modest, uh, I would believe. So I think the potential is way greater. Um, the good thing is also that I would say AI and sustainability go hand in hand, but so does also uh, cost and efficiency uh, when it comes to operating on heavy assets. Uh, so uh, if you do AI at scale, uh, you can also significantly reduce uh, your cost base, uh, somewhat 20% uh, on earnings. So, so it's a, there's so many opportunities, but it has to be done 
and apply that scale. Uh, and it can't be sort of the black box AI. It has to be applied in the right manner for a safe operation. Absolutely. And you, Chunta, you work at Databricks, of course, so it's all about uh, data. For you, how does AI work with sustainability? Maybe you can give some practical example as well, how they have become the best friends almost. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important question. And I think the first thing to do is to set the kind of definition, right? Because we all talk about sustainability. We all talk about ESG. And those terms get kind of thrown around in the mix. But the way I think about it is that sustainability is a broad set of principles. It's guidelines. It's oftentimes aspirational, right? ESG is the data that makes it real. So I think the best way to think about sustainability is through the prism of data and AI. And the way I kind of think about this is without data, there is no ESG. Without AI, there is going to be no sustainability. Because in order for companies to not just look good, but to do good, that requires lots of data. It requires lots of people. It requires lots of AI to actually do things like curb carbon emissions or create a more ethical company or to increase your diversity and inclusion. So I think the best way to think about that is through a data and AI lens. And there's many, many practical examples of how this is already being used today. It's not a theoretical. So you know, at Databricks, we have a customer that's one of the largest um, logistics companies in the world. And one of the things they do is every morning, they run all these algorithms to optimize the routes that the truck drivers take every day, right? So if you think about if we can send, save one kilometer a day across 1,000 or 100,000 trucks delivering all these packages, that's millions and millions of tons of CO2 being saved per annum so, or per day. So that, that, those are kind of the, the practical things that people are already doing with data and AI to really make a difference and again, to actually do good not just to, to look good. On that point, a lot of uh, investors have been saying that there is a lack of ESG reporting and especially rating, right? Yeah. When it comes to uh, credit ratings and Moody's and Fitch and so yeah. on, Standard & Poor's. Uh, can you give us maybe the latest on that front? Because this is, yeah. I guess, what people are looking for as you know, one key standard practice. Yeah, so you know, as you know, there, there isn't a whole lot of standards today. And there are many agencies that provide ESG ratings to companies. But I read this recent study that says the correlation between the top five ESG data ratings uh, agencies today is 0.6. Okay? And to put that into context, you know, ice cream consumption and shark attacks actually have a higher correlation than these five data vendors. So if you think about what that means practically for a company to actually use this data or an investor to use this data to make investments, it requires a lot of verification you know, monitoring, analysis, all these things that you need to do to bring all this data together, run the analytics, and then to independently verify that a company is actually doing what they're saying they're going to do. And that requires the whole data ecosystem to operate seamlessly in order to, again, put these things into action. And you can't do that without lots of data and lots of AI and lots of automation. Let's look a little bit forward. Uh, you, Dan, you work at Shell, obviously one of the biggest oil and gas players in the world, but you actually work in innovation and uh, data science as well, which is definitely truly exciting. Can you tell us a little bit what's next in the energy landscape when it comes to AI? Well, it's a great question. And I think there's so much still to come. I think, as Heger said, it is early. And I think there's, we're only seeing just a fraction of the potential. And I think some of the examples that have already been shared uh, are showing that potential. I think for me, what's next, and this is also maybe some of the conversations that we've been having over the last couple of days, is partnering. We, we talk a lot in Shell about how do we bring together ecosystems to solve this problem? Because I think, to, to Junta's point, 
actually we need collaboration across uh, whole sectors and industries that have never really talked before. So how can we bring together the expertise we have in energy, with financial services, with technology, and bring that together in ways that we can actually co-create the future and share data in new ways, share software in new ways, and also work with a broader ecosystem in terms of the startup world. Um, we're actually announcing today that we're going to invest about $1.4 billion in startups uh, in the coming six years uh, to try and accelerate the energy transition through that innovation ecosystem. And it's appropriate that we're doing that at Web Summit. That's but I think breaking than... news, Dan. I'm sure a lot of journalists are interested in that. <laughs> well, it's fantastic, right? I'm so proud that we're putting that amount of investment into the startup ecosystem. It's something I'm personally very passionate about. But I think it's going to take that collaboration between established companies, between industries, and between startups to try to co-create these solutions. Because we have to move fast. We have to have that sense of urgency. I find it just interesting that Shell actually has such a data and AI department as well, and it's not outsourcing that. Because to a large extent, such big players are becoming data companies as well. So how do you decide what you want to do in-house and how you want to hire you know, startups and other um, people like Chunta or Hege? Well, I, I think we have to recognize the expertise that we have. Uh, what we are really good at is we understand the operations of the energy system today and how to make that better. And so we can bring that expertise, but we need to make sure we stay focused because we're not platform builders. We're not experts in digital twin technology. We're not experts in underlying data infrastructure. And if we start getting fixated on those things, actually, it's going to distract us. We've got to stay focused on the energy use cases and work with our partners to try to accelerate energy transition, which is really what we're all about. Mm. Hege, in your case, how do you see the energy landscape changing? And uh, what kind of new trends are you seeing at Kongsberg, at your company in specific? So uh, our focus area is around uh, making the existing uh, structures more efficient and more sustainable. Uh, and the way that we are approaching this is really through uh, hybrid analytics or hybrid uh, ML. Uh, uh, and uh, we, what, what we see is that uh, many of the existing uh, infrastructures and assets are not designed for this purpose. So you basically need uh, to be able to build synthetic data uh, and you have a need to also have a safe surrounding for the AI algorithms to operate. Uh, so this is uh, hugely important, I think, uh, going forward. Uh, and then uh, next, of course, there's coming in uh, multiple new energy sources. We see it of course on the energy side, but we are also deeply uh, involved in the maritime side, which is now also transforming not only uh, when it comes to um, uh, fuel, uh, but also when it comes to sort of the whole landscape around it and the infrastructure. So, so there's so many exciting things happening. And I think common for all of them is that you need uh, transparency, you need uh, good insight, you need to be able to transform that insight into actions uh, and to the uh, possibility of automating uh, those actions as much as possible. And if I could do a quick build on what Heg is saying, <laughs> I think, I think it's just, what she's saying is so important, particularly around the synthetic data point because it's far cheaper to build digitally than it is physically. Right. And so if we can use some of that synthetic data that we get from the digital twin to optimize the design of the future system, it actually helps accelerate those optimal design processes. Mm. 
on that note, uh, Junta, we talk about systems and also uh, the development of open standards and, and platforms to accelerate innovation. And uh, you were just nodding your head when we were talking about transparency. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to be needed to achieve net zero emissions and what can you do you know, with data to achieve yeah. that? I think the, the very baseline is that companies first have to understand what they're doing today. Right? So when you think about climate disclosures, it's actually much easier said than done because your, you know, your emissions data might be in a particular system, your HR data might be in a particular system. The first step is to then aggregate all that data. Right? The next step then is to, hey, we have all this data together, and now we could do this for analytics. And maybe a lot of the asset managers are good examples of this where they're using that data to make ESG investment decisions. But to get to that kind of the, you know, what the end state is, which is what Dan talked about with Shell, which is you have to put it into action, right? So there's this aggregation, analytics, and action. And that's the whole point of why sustainability exists in the first place, right? To, is actually, again, to do good. And without data and AI, it's really, really hard to actually do good. And this whole idea about digital twins and all this stuff, you know, I think it all comes down to the concept of what I think is called sustainable transformation, right? Which is thinking about not just the next quarter, but the next quarter century and maximizing the impact that you have, not just for shareholders, but basically all stakeholders, mm -hmm. right? Employees, regulators, customers, et cetera. And all that requires a, a much more fundamental rethink of the data that you have to use it for, for good. And as they say, data is the fuel of the 21st century, right? For, you know, pun intended, but that's, that's, that's why that's so critically important as, as a piece for sustainability. That sounds wonderful. And ESG and sustainability is all about doing good, as you yeah. all uh, three mentioned. But of course, there are a lot of bad guys and bad women out there as well, wanting to attack cyber attacks and, and hacking and so on. Hege, what should be done about that? Just a comment on, on the last discussion, because I think uh, this is as much about uh, technology as it uh, is about changing the way uh, we work on an everyday basis. Uh, so what we definitely should use AI for is to challenge how we operate as of today, gain insight and get also a complex tasks solved through AI and get that insight put into actions. Uh, that I think is critical because if you look at circular economy, for instance, there's huge opportunities within AI, and that's going to be important if we are to reach uh, the sustainability targets. Mm. Uh, and you basically can create whole new networks uh, going into that area. You're also an expert, uh, Hege, on data integration and uh, Industry 5.0. How do you think all of this can be more embedded and merged and, and combined, breaking down the silos and so on, to really make sure that we have all of this data together, you know, to help promote and develop sustainability? Yeah, we have this saying internally where we say that um, data is not reducing emissions, uh, but insight and actions are doing it. Uh, so that's why we are applying the digital twin uh, to ensure that uh, you have a good home uh, for algorithms and that you also can close the loop with the automation system over time, which is really the central nerve system uh, on board and heavy asset. Uh, uh. So uh, I think there's... Uh, uh, data is uh, critical, uh, but it doesn't solve anything uh, unless you put it into action and change the way uh, that you behave in the everyday life. Yeah, and, and maybe to build on that, which I think the example is so apt because I think the ability to deploy 
into heavy industry, the sorts of algorithms that we're talking about today ha can have an astonishing impact. And we're obviously leveraging you know, the digital twin from Konsberg and the Databricks platform and also C3 to develop a common ecosystem mm -hmm. around how we can deploy algorithms at scale. To give you one example of that, we recently deployed an algorithm into one of our uh, liquefied natural gas trains uh, in Nigeria. And we identified that through a single algorithm deployment, we were able to take out about 130 kilotons of CO2 emissions. That single use case in terms of reducing uh, the flaring that emerges from boil-off gas. And that's just an example of how AI can have that material impact. And again, people may not be familiar with kilotons, so maybe put that in perspective. It's about 57,000 uh, European vehicles off the road equivalent. Now, if you think about that scaled up and the opportunity when you put together this sort of digital platform that can operate this way every day, I get really excited about the potential of what this can do uh, in, in energy transition. That sounds absolutely fascinating. I'm just asking you a critical question, which is, I believe that during COVID-19, the digital gap between you know, more developed countries and emerging markets, frontier markets, economies, has widened even further. So how can we make sure that AI in sustainability is not just you know, a first world uh, issue and opportunity again, but we actually spread it around yeah. the globe? I, I could take that. So I think. I think data is the glue that holds everything together, right? Because oftentimes there is a big gap between, I would call, the suites and the sites, right? So sustainability is typically a C-level, CEO-level-led initiative. But if you go down to a, a plant manager and say, what are you doing today to impact ESG, you'll probably get a blank look, right? So, so there is this gap that exists between the senior levels and the site levels. The only way to bridge that is through data and technology, right? So if you can imagine a situation where the chief sustainability officer of a company comes into the office, sees that, that I don't, nitrogen consumption in a plant in Vietnam is three standard deviations higher than normal, that he or she can then effect change and say, hey, you should go look at that plant. You should go look at that pipe. Maybe you should turn it up. That's a really practical example of how data can actually cut emissions at the source. Right, regardless of where that is. And I think that's a really critical glue that's going to make this much more realistic, not just in developed markets, but in emerging markets and beyond. Get everybody on board. Anything yeah. you would like to add, Dan or Hege? I mean, I, I, think, I think what Jim is saying is, is absolutely spot on. I mean, I'm actually quite encouraged by the fact that I think there's a lot of focus going into accessibility of technology right now, um, be that in terms of internet provision, uh, actually, often those things are linked very closely to energy provision because you have to solve both problems in many of these areas. And we see a lot of investment going into that. In fact, I mean, as Shell, it's one of our core areas, is trying to improve lives through these sorts of integrations and partnering with companies like Microsoft to look at how we can do that. I think the, the big thing, though, as well, is that it's becoming more and more accessible to take standard cloud technology in almost any market and be able to deploy applications very, very quickly. Is it also becoming cheaper? I, I think so. I mean, certainly, you know, the competition in the cloud market also, you know, we see it at Web Summit with the level of innovation. I think the level of competition is driving costs down mm -hmm. and also driving accessibility down because the cost of the, the software is actually often less than the cost of developing it. And so a lot of it is, is the having the engineering teams that can rapidly deploy things into production. And I think we're seeing that across all of the platforms right now, which is really exciting because actually, to the point that, that both Heger and Junta were making, that accessibility makes it easier to get from data to action faster. And I think that's the important point.
Let's talk about partnerships as well, a word that we have mentioned uh, two, three times during our discussion already. Web Summit is all about building networks and so on. You're all on LinkedIn, so please uh, network with these guys here on stage as well later. Um, what kind of specific partnerships are you looking for, Chunta? You know, to tackle, to tackle the, the challenge of climate change or sustainability, no one country or no one entity can do it themselves, right? So there's a lot of open protocols about data sharing. There's open protocols and in institutions about, you know, tackling sustainability as a consortium. You know, all those partnerships are really important. But at the end of the day, unless you have the data, you can't make it real. You can't actually put it into action. So, you know, one of the things that we focus at Databricks is how do we make that data accessible and easy for multiple consumers to use? And there, and there is an actual practical open source solution to that. And, and the key is open source because it's unlikely that you're going to get 250 countries to agree on a single technology that's proprietary. You need a whole ecosystem that's open, that's open source and collaborative so that many companies, many institutions, many countries can come together and affect that change. This is just like at COP26 in Glasgow as yeah, well. We need everybody on board. Yeah. Hege? We are partnering with uh, everyone from uh, large uh, global techs uh, to uh, small startups. And I think that's very important uh, because you need the energy uh, and the agility from both of them. Uh, but I think uh, what uh, this has really uh, driven forward and, and uh, with uh, a very good maturity, uh, that's the partnerships. Uh, in between uh, providers and customers. Uh, and that's somewhat uh, a bit new, uh, sort of changing the whole uh, vendor um, and uh, customer structure, uh, really closing up uh, in a strong partnership, getting the best from the tech expertise and also the domain knowledge. Uh, so that uh, is, um, I think, a very uh, good part to really realize these opportunities. Mm -hmm. Then maybe more specifically, in which geographies and uh, countries and industries are you looking for more partners? As if you hadn't enough already at Shell. Well, I, I think maybe just to build first on what Hager was saying, I, I think the, the urgency of addressing this problem is bringing an imperative to action. And I think everybody feels that. Um, and I was really encouraged to hear last night the focus on climate at, at Web Summit. And I think it's, you know, it's a great conversation to be having right now with COP26 in parallel. I think in terms of the where question, I think the problem is it's everywhere. And I think the, the challenge is every country has to find ways to transform and, and every market. And so I think this is where actually companies like Shell, like Consberg, like Databricks, that are global, that are able to operate across borders, are able to transfer technologies from one market to another, that is really fundamental. And also the ability to take end-to-end. -end. So the problem often is that people have a niche solution that solves one problem. To solve energy transition, we've got to do it all. We've got to do AI, we've got to do data, we've got to do sustainability, we've got to do finance, we've got to do engineering transformation, construction transformation, mobility transformation. And the only way, I believe the one common factor across all of that is digital technology. And so if we can build together the digital platforms that enable transformation in CO2 emissions, I believe that's one of the single biggest things we can do to help drive uh, the sorts of change we need in society and also to have the impact on climate change that we need. 
we definitely need to make a big impact, all of us. Then, Hege Chunta, thank you so much for your time. You've been listening to the Energy Podcast brought to you by Shell. And you can find the Energy Podcast on Spotify, Apple and Google. Just hit subscribe and you can listen to the other episodes on all things energy related. The Energy Podcast was produced by Fresh Air Production. And I must remind you that the views you've heard today are those of the people featured and not Shell or its affiliates. I'm Bryony McKenzie. Thank you for listening and goodbye.